Well, something people do far too often, especially at Christmas time, is sing words that they don't mean or even words that they don't understand. Uh, there's a long list of songs I knew as a kid, and looking back at the songs that I knew, I'm a bit shocked today that I knew those songs. <laughs> I'm thankful there was some ignorance that protected my innocence a little bit with some of these songs, because <laughs> uh, I'm sure I didn't quite understand what I was singing or, or memorizing. Uh, so my innocence was preserved to a degree, I should say. Uh, but when it comes to explicitly Christian songs that we sing this time of year, because we, we call it Christmas music, but it's really Christian music is what it is. Many people are, I think, even willfully ignorant of what is sung. A good example of this is that song, Angels We Have Heard on High. Glow, you know, that whole, I, I shouldn't try to sing. Uh, <laughs> Gloria in Excelsis Deo, that song. If we took a survey on your way in tonight about how to translate that phrase, I wonder how we would do. But we sing it. It's in the hymnal, so it must be good, right? This morning I was talking to my oldest and said, hey, do you know that song? Oh, yeah, 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 I know that song. Do you know what it means? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think a lot of people are probably in that boat. Well, just so you know, that phrase means glory to God in the highest. It's a phrase that's taken directly from the narrative of Jesus' birth, glory to God in the highest. But as you start to think about Christmas songs, these Christian songs, there are probably a great many lyrics that you don't actually understand if you were to stop and look at the words. And perhaps some of us have let our minds start to go down the road of the meaning behind such words, but some of the lyrics are just too shocking, especially in this day and age. As an adult, you can start to consider the implications of the things that we're singing, and it can be a little frightening to think, is that really the case? It's much easier for us to enjoy the tunes, the melodies, those warm Christmassy feelings, because these are songs that we've memorized from who knows how long ago, instead of actually embracing the message of Christmas. Think of all the places that you hear Christmas music playing this time of year. You go into stores all over and they're playing explicitly Christian music. Every other season throughout the year, they would never think of playing such music that Jesus is Lord. But during Christmas, they're proclaiming the gospel in places like Walmart. Isn't that fascinating? Well, this evening, I want us to consider what we sing each year during this season, and I want us to understand some very important themes. Even more than that, I want us to believe what we understand, that we would find true joy in singing these songs as a proclamation of what we believe in our hearts. And there are four hymns I'd like for us to consider as we pursue the meaning of Christmas. That, were, that song, Oh Holy Night, I'm sure you remember it as the song of, it has that really high note in it. And, uh, you know, it's really scary when someone sings that as a solo. <laughs> well, at the start of the song, it has that line, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Well, that's an interesting line, isn't it? Pining probably isn't a word you've used this week. Uh, Just a refresher in case you've forgotten, to pine means to long or yearn for something. 
often with the effect of a decline in someone's health or vitality, it's to pine after something. And that song is saying at the start that the world was in such a condition, a bad condition, yearning for a remedy to their condition. And when it says the world, it means the people, the whole world, all the people in the world were pining. But that condition wasn't just random or happenstance. It says in that phrase, in sin and in error. All people of the world in sin and in error. That's a condition that mankind brought on himself, willing disobedience to God. Now you could see that from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, the fall of mankind, and nearly every chapter after that, you find out more and more about man's sin and man's error. In Romans chapter 3, it's quoting Psalm 14. It says that there is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who does good. It even says none seeks after God. Those are strong words in the Bible and strong words in that song. If Christmas is going to be a story of good news, there has to be an understanding as to why we need good news. If Jesus is going to be presented as a solution to something, we need to understand the depth of the problem. And many Christmas songs tell us what the problem is, like this one. There's a lot of deep theology in this simple phrase, long lay the world in sin and error pining. All people were utterly helpless in their condition as sinners before God. But the next line says, until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Well, there's another song that talks about the coming of Christ, O come all ye faithful. And what's interesting is there's a verse in the original writing of this hymn that hasn't made its way, and I to think I think maybe maybe none of the modern hymnals. But the Second or third verse says this, God from true God, light from light eternal, born of a virgin to earth he comes. Now that's a good line in a Christmas song. That's a really good line. And that's an amazing claim about Jesus Christ. The most important question you could ever ask and the most important question you could ever endeavor to answer is, who is he? Who is Jesus Christ? Well, the words from this phrase of this song come from an ancient Christian creed, the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed says this, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, co-substantial with the Father, through Him all things were made. What does that mean? That's a legitimate question after reading something like that. What does that mean? Well, each word of that was carefully selected, let me assure you. But what it means is that Jesus is God in every sense of the word. Jesus is God. The one who came is the one true God of the universe. God of true God, light from light eternal, born of a virgin to earth he comes. The scripture passage that was just read was from John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a lot to wrestle with in just the very opening verse of the Gospel of John. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, who was this Word? 
The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, it says. Jesus Christ himself, the one true God. Christmas is not about a good guy. Christmas is about the one true God coming to dwell among us. And hark the herald angels sing. Lots of good theology in this song. Hark the herald angels sing. I love the the way this song ends. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that men no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's kind of heavy. (laughs) We sing it. We don't often dwell on the heaviness of it. But let's dwell on that tonight. Jesus, who we just established from the Word of God, is God. Well, this God of all laid His glory aside and was born in the likeness of you and me. For three reasons, according to this song. Why was Jesus born in the likeness of human flesh? Well, first of all, it says, He was born that men no more may die. Born that men no more may die. Death is a consequence of sin. Perhaps you've noticed. It's a problem that's impacted every single person. The Word of God says that just as sin entered the world and death through sin, death spread to all men because all sinned. Death has affected each one of us because we have all sinned. And the Son of God was born into this world to cause death to cease, born that men no more may die. Well, that will just get you thinking about all sorts of things. Death is dead in Christ. Death is dead in the living God who came to dwell among us. Some might say, well, how can that be? Born that men no more may die. Well, Christians die like everybody else, don't they? No. (laughs) No, they don't. No, they don't. Of course, in our flesh, we do cease breathing. This body of flesh does waste away. But the second reason it says that Jesus was born is Jesus was born to raise the sons of earth. That's fascinating. Born to raise the sons of earth. Jesus Christ lifts those who are in him that they are transformed totally. He transforms those who believe in him. The New Testament says in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It also says in that book that we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Those who are in Christ are transformed in such a way that Death can't affect them anymore. Death has no power over them anymore. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christian bodies are sown into the ground as corruptible, but they're brought out of the ground as incorruptible. The bodies are sown into the ground dishonorably, but they are reaped in glory. Christians don't just die like everybody else. He was born to raise the sons of earth. And at his second coming, we will see the effects of his first coming when those who are in Christ are raised with him to live forever and ever. He was born that men no more may die. He was born to raise the sons of earth. And 
this amazing phrase, born to give them second birth. What does the world think when they sing that line? That just can't make any sense to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Born to give them second birth. We need to hear this. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus' own words. This is a critical point. Because Jesus' birth and his birth alone does not change us. But Jesus' birth that affects us in such a way that we are reborn, that absolutely changes us. Our second birth provides us entrance into the kingdom of God. How can this happen? That was Nicodemus' question when Jesus said that. Well, how does that work? And Jesus' answer was, the Holy Spirit does it. And just as you see the wind coming and going, and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going, so is the work of the Spirit. This is a work of God in the hearts of those made in His image when He seeks to save them from their sin. And this happens through the gospel message. This happens when a person understands who Jesus is, when a person understands that Jesus lived a perfect life after He was born. It's not that He was born and was just like everybody else after some miraculous birth. His miraculous birth resulted in a miraculous life. It was miraculous because He never once did anything wrong. Jesus Christ never once had an incorrect thought. He never did any evil. Nothing wrong ever came out of his mouth, and yet he died a sinner's death. He died our death in our place for our sins on the cross. And three days later, he rose again, proving that he is who he said he was, that if anyone believes in him, trusts in him, that person will be saved in an instant. That person will be born again in an instant because Jesus was born to give us second birth through his finished work. Is it really that simple just to believe in his name? Well, yes, it is. The last line from a hymn I want to present to you is from In the Bleak Midwinter, not a hymn we always seeing every year. But listen to this, the last verse. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. That is the gospel call, is to give your heart to Christ. That's the question before all of us this Christmas. What will you give to Christ? There's nothing you can do for Him to perform. He utterly rejects performance. There's no amount of money or goods that you could ever offer. He owns everything, even you. There's nothing you could give Him that He doesn't already own. There's no amount of sacrifice you could make. He has already made the ultimate and final sacrifice. There's nothing you could give him that he needs. He doesn't need anything, and he doesn't need anyone. But here's the offer of Jesus Christ. Come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
And this rest isn't from the troubles of the world. It's not from pain. It's not from suffering. It's not from toil. In fact, those things are still promised to you. But what you'll have is rest and peace in your soul through the midst of all of life's troubles because you will be truly free. You'll be free from the bondage of sin. You will no longer be pining. You will be utterly found, no longer lost, but totally at peace with God. We must know who He is, Jesus, and what He has done. And we must believe it. We must give Him our hearts by faith. Do you believe? Have you received His gift? Are you born again? Do you mean the words that you sing this Christmas? I hope you do. There are lots and lots of good words that we sing, but let's not do it mindlessly. Let's do it with the mind of Christ, by faith in Him. Father, again, we thank You for Your indescribable gift of salvation through the work of Jesus Christ, the one true God of the universe, made flesh, that we might be found in Him, born again, never to die, but always to be with the Lord. God, we thank You for rescuing us from our sin all because of your work. Lord, give us just an eternal perspective this Christmas that there's nothing in this world that would cloud the true meaning of what we're celebrating. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.